everyone, and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud About Film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're going to be talking about De Cierta Manera, One Way or Another, a Cuban film directed by Sara Gomez, whom probably some of you will know because she appears in Agnès Varda's Salut les Cubains, in a wonderful section where you have still pictures over a Benny More soundtrack and it's just kind of full of life and charm and, you know, gorgeous uh, music. This is the only feature done to that point by a woman, yeah, an Afro-Caribbean uh, woman at that. And it's the key film, I suppose, of the culture of the Cuban revolution of the mid-70s. Uh, Richard, what, what did you think? really liked it. It was an interesting combination of fiction and, and documentary. It's a film with featuring people's, some of them real and some of them not, is, is the way it introduces itself. And, and so the, there's this fictional story about uh, a, a, a factory worker having a love affair with a, a, a teacher. Each of them has a kind of debate about the direction they want to go in. And he, so he, for instance, has to decide whether he's going to collude with his colleague who's pretending to visit his sick mother or whether he's going to report that colleague to the works council so he gets sent off to work on a farm she has to decide on educational methods how best to support her students what to do with students who are misbehaving you know and and then they come into conflict with each other this is all interspersed with real people so i'm, I'm assuming the children in the school yes. were children from that school although clearly some of them are acting the other teachers i presume were teachers from that school. The other factory workers were factory workers from that factory. So there's real events being reenacted. In some cases, real events just happening. Visually, it, it's great. I mean, it's interesting mix, and it keeps frequent kind of you know, referring back to the Varda film. Frequent use of freeze frame to emphasise points and and some great music. And, and yeah, I really liked it. I found it formally daring. This combination of a documentary. Uh, fiction, but also a dynamic, dramatic, and poetic rendering of it, mm. which is also very, very critical. Yeah, because the film is set around the regeneration of a slum. This central idea that it's not enough to build new buildings, that the people now living, yeah, in this uh, new infrastructure nonetheless carried with them old ways of being yeah supposedly you know contaminated by capitalism <laughs> and yeah and, and parts of it almost felt like propaganda but then she then critiques that propaganda as yes. well which is possible so it's very it's very interesting there are, there are points where it appears to be you know here's what the revolution wants and isn't this great and then but then other points where it's like well yeah we're not sure i get the impression there was some controversy in cuba over the film and, so. Yes, it was made in 74. It was only shown in 75, I think, mm. at the Berlin Film Festival, if I remember the opening credits to the movie screening properly. And then it had a mild release in 77. It's both a landmark film, yet one that wasn't highly vaunted by the Cuban Film Institute, mm. uh, ICAIC, uh, and that in some ways is not being rediscovered. It's always been considered a central, a canonical film 
of the Cuban Revolution, but that it's getting a lot more appreciation at the moment. And I, in fact, I think it deserves it. I found it, you know, formally daring and moving. What makes it so is the feminism, really. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's really, it's a feminist film putting into question the role of machismo in quite a complicated way and doing it from a feminist perspective that is at the one on the other hand interrogated by class which is an issue that is rarely touched on in these Cuban films because mm. you know mm. the school teacher is a middle-class educated woman she begins this affair with a laborer so that already comes you know creates some clashes but then more importantly you see her impatience with women who are not living her circumstances. So one of the things that I found so illuminating was this discussion that she has with this woman who's raising 11 children, raising them on her own, clearly a very hardworking woman, and the teacher is berating her for not devoting enough time to her children. Yeah, it's like, you should spend more time with your kids. Well, I leave home at five in the morning <laughs> so I can get to work and get home at eight at night. What do you expect me to do? This is a young middle-class woman who doesn't, at this point, have, her, have children of her own and just seems to have no appreciation for the struggle that, that these working-class women living in poverty with, with a load of children mm. have in terms of trying to, just this assumption that the revolution will provide for people there's one point where one of the school kids gets arrested he's involved in a theft you kind of think oh this is going to end up like pishot or something you know he's going to end up in a reformatory actually what happens is he's fine because he gets a haircut gets a medical examination gets a psychological assessment and then this is okay well we think with the help of the school and with the help of the family he can get back on the straight and narrow but this then assumes that the mother who as you say has 11 children and, and is working all hours is going to have the time to do that which she clearly isn't mm. so it's kind of that's not stated necessarily outright but it's very clear that this process is probably not going to work mm. because the mother is not going to have time to engage with it and you that's entirely entirely reasonable given the mother's circumstances mm. i love the film's marxism i mean it's almost like an illustration of what the dialectic is yeah even through that formal dynamic that's created between the documentary and the fiction, mm. you know, the class element, the gender element, you know, a society that's trying to be built, but that requires kind of new ways of being. Yeah, and all of it through, you know, through this auto-critique. There's a plot point where they go to the movies and they go to the absolutely iconic Yara cinema kind of made me nostalgic to see. And she's an hour late, and they get into this argument because he's annoyed that she's an hour late. She doesn't offer any explanation about why she's an hour late. She's just annoyed that he's annoyed. Right? Mm. And mm. then, as they're walking on the street, they meet this man. You know, he says, you must come to my gig. And, you know, then we get told the story of this man, yeah, who was a contender for the Golden Gloves in pre-revolutionary times but who ended up killing a man who was chasing after his girlfriend, yeah, and did time in jail. And he's now a singer, and he sings very beautifully, very poetically, kind of very movingly. 
But what did you make of that story in terms of its place in the film? Well, that was interesting because we're, we're told that he's a real person, his story is real. It's, it's interesting that you've got this real person with that history is interacting with the fictional characters and shedding light on their story and, and advising them on what to do. That was quite, I found that very interesting. I think in a film that's about machismo, machismo is central to the story. It begins, you know, with this trial, this kind of, I suppose, internal self-critique, but done at the workplace. So it's a kind of trial in which a man mm. is accused of being lazy. It turns out that he told everyone he was visiting his dying mother, but really he was just with a woman yeah, for five days. Mm. Mm. The argument begins when there's this implied accusation of the hero of our story being a snitch. And he's so upset by being a snitch that he then snitches, so to speak. The film has this whole thing about male honor kind of being more important than the revolutionary ideals of work. And so that is then juxtaposed with this friend of his, yeah, this, this man who killed, who was a boxer, who killed a man, yeah, and is now a singer. So actually, you know, the boxer embodies so many of the themes of the boxing film, right? Like Golden Boy, where should he choose the violin or should he choose the ring? Or Body and Soul, where the boxer, you know, because of his class, has to fight with his body. And, but the woman he falls for is an artist. And there's this pull of art. And yeah, this is all embodied in this boxer who is black, which is also, I think, important, who killed a man for reasons clearly having to do with machismo. This guy was sniffing around his girlfriend. He did his time. He went to jail. And he's now an artist. What does that mean? I mean, I don't know. I'm asking you because I, I haven't worked it out. <laughs> it is interesting, this whole thing around bringing in real stories in this fiction. Because I, I was just looking her, up her, her filmography, and obviously this was her only feature because uh, she she died during during editing of it. Very very young. Yeah, thir- thirty one. For instance, she made a documentary in nineteen sixty eight called um, "An Island for Miguel." The film starts with a case study of a boy being disciplined, then to interviews with the boy's mother, Paul Holmes, countless children abandoned by her husband. That documentary essentially is a story that we then see as fiction mm. within the film. She's clearly weaving in the the reality that she's experienced through either her own life or or through making these documentaries into a fictional narrative and in some ways being explicit there's some at some points there's a voiceover that tells you this is a real person this is a real story uh, it's very very interesting i love the songs that the boxer sings he sings them at one point to his wife who's visibly moved it's repeated twice as indeed are other elements that ball uh, the destroying buildings yeah that yeah, yeah, wrecking ball. A wrecking yeah. ball. Like Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, what did you make of that? Well, that was interesting. Cause as you say, there was this theme of regeneration and of whether that's a good thing or not. It clearly didn't seem to have had a positive impact at that point on the people shown in the film. What the film states in the voiceover is that the revolution is going to improve life and is going to clear slums and is going to do this, that and the other. But then what the film actually shows you is that that, that isn't happening. I felt in a way a bit bittersweet watching this because, you know, you hear characters saying, oh, we're eating beans. And, you know, 20 years ago, what I wouldn't have given to eat like we do now, right? And then, of course, you know that during the American embargo of a few years, people were literally hungry. 
right? And yeah, there was yeah. Like a ration introduced, and I suppose what I feel at this period is that in fact there is all this regeneration, right? Housing is being built, food is being distributed, education for the young is being put into place. So even as it's being critiqued, right? You know, what are these young women going to do once they finish school? You know, men go into the army. You know, but what will happen to these girls? They'll just get married and have children and so on, right? But actually, kind of, you do have a sense that all these things are changing, that there's a building that's happening, right? Whereas kind of looking back now at the last 20 years of the revolution, since I suppose the 90s, what you see is the opposite of that. Once again, hardship, things that aren't quite working, that there aren't the resources to do. I've not heard of any other ghetto being regenerated in the last 10, 15 years. This is a film that's full of critique, but also hope that on the one hand is pointing to gains made by the revolution, yeah? Housing for the poor, food and education for the poor, that has all of these problems, yeah, that are kind of being articulated, and also showing the individual experience of those social movements, yeah, those social shifts and changes. We are with the characters and kind of they feel real. But on the other hand, you feel that it's also a document of its time, that the hopes that the film speaks of haven't been fully realized. It, it is a restoration, although it's limited by the, there are problems with the source material, but it's probably the best it's looked for since it was made on possibly its best it's looked ever. But yeah, it's on movie along with one of her shorts and, and really well worth seeing. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful film and I think it's a great film. Uh, so I hope uh, people give it the attention that it deserves. All right, well, thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye. De la mañana, solo regas y apenas la ventana.